Hey, happy Taco Tuesday, Cairo Sushi family. Um, you know that my favorite times are when I can bring in uh, like the really super sexy smart people outside of chiropractic and bring them in. 50% uh, of the time I'm usually getting an email back that says chiropractic, that's quackery. No way, dude. Uh, luckily enough, uh, I was able to get an awesome email back from this dude who I've been following for almost two years. Uh, Paul Jarvis is one of the, I think, smartest, sharpest minds um, from a marketing standpoint, from a biz development. He's got a lot of different points of views that we're going to kind of jam on a little bit today. Um, but I want to thank you first, Paul, for, for, for going live with me and, and uh, we're and giving us some time, man, and, and sharing with chiropractors who you said you are, a, I think, a pro-chiropractic fan. Am I correct with that? Definitely. My wife was actually a chiropractic office assistant for a while. So we both have seen chiropractors for over a decade. Oh, cool. Okay. So this was, there was, a, there was a serendipitous in that. So uh, I, I, tell us a little bit about, I want to dive into your why, your journey first, and to tell people who don't know who you are, who you are, and uh, who you've worked with, and, and just kind of your, your jam. Yeah, so I started out in the 90s as a web designer, and I was working with everybody from pro sports athletes to Fortune 100 companies to car manufacturers. And then I kind of, at the end of doing that, um, around six, seven years ago, I was working mostly with on online entrepreneurs like the Danielle Laporte, Marie Forleo, Chris Carr, that sort of thing. So I went from like Warren Sapp and Shaquille O'Neal to Microsoft to like, Danielle report for clients. And then from there, I started to work on building my own products. And products for me are books, uh, online courses, and software primarily. And, and you've developed, I mean, the courses, let's talk about some of the courses that you created because one of them uh, I think that might be interesting uh, to talk about is the MailChimp course because you were finding some issues with people utilizing MailChimp. Is that correct? Yeah, I found that people... I think MailChimp is great software, but I think MailChimp can be used inc fundamentally incorrectly. And I don't think that MailChimp does a good enough job explaining ways to use it for business. I think they're, they're getting a lot better, but the reason why I created that course was I wanted to show people how to really do things like link customers and subscriber data or segment out so you're not pitching something that somebody already owns or even just being able to message people on a recurring basis if you sell a recurring service. So I just, there was just this huge opening in, in the MailChimp knowledge space where I didn't think MailChimp was hitting it 100% where I'm like, I can teach small businesses how to use MailChimp because I'd been using MailChimp myself since they started uh, for the clients that I was working with when I was doing client work and web design work. So I was like, I think I can, I can teach people how to use MailChimp uh, quite a bit better. And so, yeah, I made a course for it. And, and if, if someone wanted to use that course, because we have a lot of chiropractors that are now just kind of like chiropractic, you know, you, just, you, you, you said your, your wife was a CA and uh, at one point, and you know this, might know this, that chiropractors are usually five to 10 years behind the, the, the curve. Um, and they're just now kind of getting into like drip sequences, which MailChimp offers. What are, what are some things that you think from knowing a little bit about with your wife and, the, and seeing chiropractic, like what could a chiropractor, a small business owner be utilizing more with MailChimp, you think? Yeah, I definitely think follow-ups because 
I never want to book another appointment when I'm there because I don't know what my schedule is going to be. But if I get a reminder from my chiropractor, like, hey, it's been a month, I'd be like, it has been a month. Let yeah. me let me click into the online and another thing, my chiropractor now has online booking software, so I don't need to talk to a person on the phone. Most <laughs> people don't like to talk to people on the phone. It's like a weird thing that exists now. So I like that I can just go in, I can look at my chiropractor schedule on the internet and I can pick a spot that works for me and don't have to talk to anybody. I like the, the people that work at reception, <laughs> but if I don't have to talk to somebody, I'm much more likely to book. So just getting, just getting follow-ups. I think yeah. just even getting follow-ups for, hey, if you liked, if you like seeing me, if you like the adjustments, maybe leave a review for me on Yelp or on Google or somewhere just to get more reviews because reviews are so important for everybody nowadays. So maybe a few days after an appointment when they're starting to feel the full effects, be like, you feel better. <laughs> I'm yeah. just give me a little review on the Yelp. Yeah, I pick up, okay, because I got to bring it up because one of the things in our email exchange was uh, I, I'm not, I can't go through Facebook. Uh, I pick up a little bit from a, from your vibe, from photos of you, from obviously from your point of view on certain uh, basis of, of being small. We're going to dive deeper into that. Are you a shy guy, first of all? Can I just ask that question? Yeah, totally. I mean, well, so I'm 100% not shy, but I'm completely introverted. Okay. So uh, I lean more towards not doing things with other people, which sounds awful, but like that's no. But I, I actually posted your 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 article about the introverted salesman in one of our chiropractic sales cool. groups because yeah. I thought it was a really interesting read. Yeah. So I feel very introverted and awkward, but I'm not. I feel like shy, and I could be wrong here. I feel like shy a lot of times comes from a lack of ego which i think is fine most people could do with a bit less ego but i feel yeah. like i have a pretty big ego so i feel like i'm not shy in <laughs> any way whatsoever but i am very introverted and slightly awkward and weird so it's like a weird it's a weird combination so is there another reason i I'm, i also know because we're going to talk about your analytics tool privacy is a big issue uh, talk me through the not being on because you're not on facebook whatsoever right and and if you wouldn't mind sharing why is someone who's in the tech space not on Facebook yeah so the first thing is I just don't like it which I don't even have a good reason like I just think it's for me personally I don't want to use it the second reason is that I only have because I run a small business that's just myself and a couple freelancers I only have a finite amount of time yeah so I like Twitter, so I'd rather just use Twitter. For me and for the audience that I want to reach, Twitter makes the most sense. For every business, it is different, though. So that's not advice for people. That's just me going through my own head. Like, it doesn't make sense for me to be on, like, Pinterest. I don't even know how Snapchat works. I feel like I'm too old for Snapchat. <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> I don't, like, I don't understand Snapchat at all. So I feel like if I'm going to be on social media, I want to pick the one that I can have the most impact with and have the most enjoyment from and with twitter like i don't have any notifications for twitter i only know about things happening on twitter if i'm logged in just typically once or twice a day so i don't get pings or notices or like little red dots on the app that are trying to get me to come back into the app i even have everything in twitter turned off so i have a bunch of browser super nerdy but i have a bunch of browser extensions that block like moments trends ads like Twitter for me is just like the timeline of people I follow and nothing on either side 
because I have Chrome extensions that block everything. <laughs> I, I I gotta say what what has I think again I think there's always a rhythm and a time and a why for stuff and why I've been uh, following you more is, um you know I I've built this business and other businesses in the age of Facebook even MySpace and stuff like that where it was awesome especially from a sales perspective to be super connected to people. But from a support perspective, it's completely opposite. So I feel now um, I'm literally having breakdowns where my girlfriend is in bed pulling the phone away from me and telling me to stop. And I feel super connected where like, uh, I don't remember, I don't know if you ever watched The Office, but Ryan, the intern, had the woof. I really feel like that would be amazing right now because like, I feel like basically I'll get a ping, I'll get a text message, I'll get an email. And then some people are like, your voicemail's not set up. I go, dude, if my voicemail was set up at this point in time, I'm going to have a nervous breakdown. Like, like, so do you feel like we're, we became almost too connected as well? Is that something that, that, that resonates with you? Totally. I think that, and it's just, this is FOMO, man. It's just like fear of missing out. And I think that 90% of the things that you're missing out on Facebook, it's fine that you're missing just like any, so, and replace that with any social media. Anything you're missing on social media or on the internet, it's okay. Like if I don't log on to the internet for a day, I haven't missed anything. Like <laughs> I'll hear about it. Like I, I'm going to hear about it from somebody else who's probably on social media. So I feel like the attention that we have is, is very finite. And I feel that we only have so much every day. So I don't want, like I've had, I've turned off every single notification on every single electronic device I have for probably about four or five years now. And I had like the world hasn't ended for my business or for right. myself personally, but it's hard. Like all of these platforms are built for you to go back to them as often as possible. So it feels like you're breaking the matrix when you don't do that, but it's also totally fine. Like, I don't know if something's happening on Twitter because I've set up Twitter. So it doesn't tell me if I'm missing anything. So I don't know what I'm missing and that's okay. And I feel like I've gotten to a place where it's okay. Like I feel like I've broken the addiction <laughs> there right. and I'm okay with logging in. Sometimes I log in, I see the um, like 99 plus on my mentions. And I'm just like tomorrow, <laughs> like that's too much. I'm just going to deal with that tomorrow. That's awesome. Well, uh, I think this segues in really greatly to uh, what you have upcoming. And we have a link above for people to check this out. I'm really excited about this. If you guys go to of1.co, uh, of1.co, and you also can click the link above, or if you're listening to us on the podcast, it's of1one.co. And you have some really cool giveaways or bonuses for a pre-order copy of your upcoming book, um, Company of One. And basically you're saying Company of One is your official guide to build it around the idea that staying small and avoiding growth, which is the antithesis of, of I've, you know, I've had Grant Cardone at Cairo Sushi. And Grant <laughs> Cardone's all about 10 exit, man, and that's your money, and grab that money, mother. You know, like that's... If there was somebody the opposite of Grant, it's you. Guy. Yeah. So I'm excited to see where <laughs> this guide is going to go. Tell us about this book. Tell us about your mission to be the anti-Grant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, and I think that, I think what it comes down to, and this is not something that most authors say, is that I don't even want people to agree with me on my thesis. I just, like, the point of the book is to question things for yourself. And the point of company of one is to question if growth makes sense for your business 
and what enough is because yeah. there probably is a, a there's probably an enough I'm talking about like enough revenue enough customers enough staff like there's probably a level where it no longer makes sense other than to serve your own ego which makes sense for Grant because his ego is way bigger than mine yeah it is <laughs> it's just the way it goes his ego is bigger than everybody else's ego put together cumulatively so I think the the point <laughs> the point yeah. of the book is you. to think about that is to think about like okay what does like where does growth stop making sense? Where does, if I have more growth, it could mean even less revenue because I have to spend more to keep that level up. Or where does growth not make sense where I'm no longer happy because I'm spending more time doing the administration of my business and running the business and being like the CEO of my business when what I really want to do is the thing that I was doing before I promoted myself out of the job that I want. Like when I was doing web design, a good example of this is when I was yeah. doing web design, I had I was booked solid like six, nine months in advance all the time. And everybody was like, hey, you should hire a bunch more web designers. Like make your business, which is just you, into an agency. And I was always like, why do I want to do like I like doing the web design? Like I don't want to manage a group of web designers. I would be promoting myself out of a job I like to do a job I don't want to do. So it doesn't like that in, in that regard, growth doesn't make sense. And I know some people like their calling or their job or what they really love to do is managing others. That's not me. And that's not a lot of people. It's definitely some people, but not everybody is built to be a manager. And I feel like the way that business works and capitalism works is that if you're going to move up the ranks with promotions, you get promoted to manage others. And I don't think that's right for everybody. And I don't know yeah. why people haven't been thinking about this. Like if I work for a company and I get promoted, I'm going to be managing people who are doing the job I was just doing. Maybe I like that job. Like <laughs> that, that could happen. I, I've thought about that quite a bit lately because we do websites over at Cairo Sushi and, and I, uh, I've been thinking about, oh man, I could just go move to the Cayman Islands, live on the beach, work for my website and take, and because the, the, the thing in corporate, and you know, you talk about a lot about not being corporate in a way, I, I, that's what I perceive. And always correct me if I'm wrong with any perceptions on that. But one of the things is, you know, happiness is important. We're seeing this in the chiropractic profession, Paul, where um, in the in the Mercedes 80s, as we used to lovingly call it, uh, the big thing was how many visits are you seeing? How many new patients are you growing? Um, if you ain't doing a thousand a week, you you're nothing in this this industry. And there's been this break because. A lot of it's because we were talking offline, I was sharing with you that women are taking over the profession of chiropractic. By the end of next year, I think 60% of the students graduating will be women. And there's a different, especially millennial women who are saying, look, uh, I don't wanna work six days a week. I don't wanna work on Saturdays. I don't wanna see 100 patients a day. I primarily wanna work with a big concept has become I want to work with my target market and ideal client. It used to be every spine, every family. Now it's like I want to work with um, moms who are 30 or 40 to 50 with hormone issues. Like they're very, very tailored, um, which becomes a, a challenge from a marketing perspective, I think, sometimes. But I understand. I would disagree with that. Work. Okay, yeah, yeah, good, good, good. What do you think? So I think that – in theory, it seems like the more you niche down and the more you have a smaller target audience, the harder it becomes. 
But when you think about it, it's actually easier because those types of people all pay attention to the same things. They all hang out in the same places, yeah. they read the same publications. Whereas if you wanted to reach everybody, if you wanted to reach every spine, how do you do that? Like, what's the what's the Facebook ad for everyone? How much does that cost, right? But if yeah. you're saying like, okay, I want to put my demographic as like 20s to 30s, boom. I want to put my demographic to women instead of men. Then it becomes so much easier to reach these people because they spent like they're they're very similar. They're more similar than they are different. So you can reach these yeah. people by just finding the like the niche publications that they read, or the the places that they hang out, or like the yoga classes that they go to. And it's like even my chiropractor is, and I've been to lots of different chiropractors in like city Cairo and like country because I live in the middle of nowhere now. Yeah, and it's, it's very much like I felt like cattle at the clinics where they're seeing like I don't know eight people every twenty minutes or so. Like it's just like wham bam, thank you, as opposed to like the chiropractor that I see now, who's very neat. Like his focus is on athletes. And I mean, I don't consider myself an athlete, but I do spend a lot of time like working out and in the gym. And most of the, the reasons yeah. why I have adjustment are for that. So I see somebody and he charges more than the other ones that I've seen, but I gladly see him because like he takes time. Like we talk, like I know about his family. He knows about mine. And it's like, there's a relationship built there. And like, I now live 30 minutes further away from him, but I still go to see him because one, he's hitting the, the type of person that I am and that's his focus. And two, because he's been personable and he's focused more on retention than acquisition, which is the opposite of what most business people tell you, I feel like he's got a customer. Like, as long as I can get to his office, I'm going to be a customer for life with him. When you brought up something that I thought was interesting there in, inside of that, um, and, and, and also I think a little bit earlier, and I'm gonna, I, what's resonating for me to ask you about is pricing then. Uh, because similar to freelance, because doing freelance work, you, you have a lot of freelance followers. Chiropractors can, for if they're out of network, which is where the trend's going to work in a cash-based society, can set their own prices. And if the the school of thought is, if I want to have a higher quality of life, serve more of a niche, uh, you need to increase the trend. Seems to be increased prices. What are your thoughts on pricing, whether it's freelance or a small business owner? Um, I, I, I have to reckon you have some good points of view on this. Definitely. So I think that it's harder to compete at the bottom of the market because everybody competing at the bottom of the market <clears throat> is strictly price. So if you're $34 in adjustment versus 35, then bottom of the market, somebody's just gonna be like, okay, I want $34 one. So, yeah. but then it's like a lowest common and like you're constantly fighting to be like a dollar cheaper. And that's tough, like that's really hard to do. Whereas with freelancing or with anything, I think trying to differentiate yourself at the top of the market, there's less people, there's more air, there's more space, there's more ability to focus on a price that makes sense for the audience that you're trying to reach. Like if you're doing Cairo for like tech startups and you're going to their offices and doing adjustments there, you can probably charge whatever you want because they have the money like they they can buy they have like 15 foosball tables there like they they have cash to burn <laughs> but in order to do that one you have to be niche like you have to be very focused on that because they don't want like if they're like if i'm a, a tech company in the valley or something like that and i'm looking for say a chiropractor and i see two chiropractors and one is just i do adjustments and one is 
I focus on adjustments that people at tech companies typically need because they're sitting at their desk all day, like 60 yeah. hours a day. And if I'm the tech company, I'm going to be like, I want that one. And they might be $10 more or $20 more, but I don't care because they're, they hit the exact reason why I want to hire them. So the, the more that you niche down to that target audience, the more it benefits. It, it's kind of like compounding because the more you niche, the more that, that niche sees you as that expert. And then you're not competing against like 1,000 or 2,000 chiropractors in that area. You're competing with maybe none or maybe one or two other that are smart enough to be like, there's, there's a market here. Like I can, I can hit this market and I can charge premium prices because I, I'm focused and I'm a domain expert on this type of person. Yeah, I love it, man. Guys, if you're joining us live, we're with Paul Jarvis. If you're listening to later on the SushiCast podcast, um, I want to encourage you guys to check out uh, his upcoming book. Um, we have the links above and uh, links on the side if you're listening to on the podcast, or you can, you can uh, go to uh, the websites of one.co. Uh, the book is Company of One. If you order now, um, a couple, I, I, a couple of awesome things. If you can buy 25 more books, and what a great idea if you think of, uh, if you have, if you're reaching that tech audience, like Paul's talking about, these guys would love his book, so you could gift them away with your new patient orientation. And and what a, what a great, uh, you know, we had John Rulin on from Giftology. What a great gift that you could give out. You also get uh, access to a live Q and A. 30-minute phone call. I mean, this is badass. So I, I do plan, actually, just full disclosure, buying for some friends. This is my uh, after after our podcast, so just so you know. Um, and, and hold me to it. And, uh, I, you know, writing a book um, is, is really exciting. There's a trend, obviously, right now. We had Tucker Max at, at Cairo Sushi. He's charging $100,000 to ghost – not ghost. He hates that. Scribe a book. Yeah. Um and so uh, w tell me about the challenges that you faced with writing this book and, and who you're trying, who, who do you think, could chiropractors benefit from this book, you think? For sure. I think that any business owner could benefit. Any business owner that is willing to question if business as usual is the right thing to do, because maybe it is. And that's what <laughs> I'm the least aggressive salesperson in the entire world, like, I would rather people think about the ideas and see whether they work for them or not work for them. And either right. way is fine versus like, this is the one way, like there is no blueprint for business. If there was, everybody would do business the exact same way and nobody would need to write books. There'd be one book and that one book author would be so rich. So that's why there's tons of business because there's tons of different ways to do business regardless of what anybody says. And I think yeah. my way works for a lot of people, but it totally doesn't work for everybody. It just works for people who want to basically figure out that, and I, I, the main thesis of the book is that the byproduct of success isn't necessarily growth, it's freedom. And freedom to choose what you want to do next with your business. Maybe it is growing, and that's totally fine, but it's up to you to think about what makes sense. What, like, what makes sense for you and your business, and like that, the life that you have outside of business, because hopefully we all have at least some kind of life outside of business. Hard to work all day, every day for all waking hours. Yeah, um, I want to I want to transition and ask you about because you you do you do work in the web space. You you built um, alongside with a partner, uh, uh, Fathom, uh, which dude, thank you because um, 
as an SEO guy, a web guy for years, you exactly what your blog article said, it was the same thing I've been thinking about Google Analytics for years. And it's just this cumbersome, noisy, like a lot of BS. And everything when I talk websites with people is exactly what you have on Fathom. You offer a free one for, for developers and anyone who wants to use it through GitHub, but you also offer a very, very low fee for uh, individuals that want to hook it up to their website. And it, it's checking unique visitors, page views, time on site, bounce rate, which I think is the most crucial. Maybe I'm wrong. You tell me. I think you're, you're much more advanced in web than I am. But why are those the metrics you're looking at? And it, you, obviously, those are important to you. That's why you put them in there. But people don't talk about bounce rate enough in websites, I think, right? Yeah, and I mean, <clears throat> I think it's a sh it's a fundamental shift from vanity metrics to useful metrics. Yeah. And so things like like vanity metrics would be like page views, but not all page views are equal. You could have a hundred thousand page views from people that don't care about chiropractic; they just clicked on a link and didn't know what it was. Right. Versus people that went to the website looking for a chiropractor, and so what bounce rate tells us is how many people that hit your website actually wanted to find any information on it or if they just left after clicking anything else. So I think bounce rate is really important. For the other metrics that we track, I just thought about to start what I care about as somebody who's built probably 500 to 1,000 websites. And then I started interviewing other people who build websites and people who run businesses online and what they cared about. And really it came down to what we're talking about, bounce rate. Um, the top pages on a site, yeah. and then the top refers. Like you want to see who's driving the most traffic to your site and make decisions in your business based on that. Whereas there's so many vanity metrics of like doesn't like things like the number of subscribers on your mailing list that doesn't really matter if nobody opens the emails. Or you could have a really tiny list that's super engaged. So things like that don't matter. So I'm trying to cut the crap of like what doesn't matter, but we all measure to, versus like. What actually does matter that we should just be paying attention to? Because, like, I look in Google Analytics, like, this is what I do for a living. Yeah. You know what 90% of that stuff is? It's just, like, pages of graphs and stuff. And yeah. I'm like, I just want to see, like, and so I don't log into Google Analytics. And a lot of people have Google Analytics but don't log in. So I wanted to build a tool that was so useful that people would actually just want to, like, you, there's one, like, literally the app is one page. You can log in, get the information you need in a couple oh. seconds, and then leave. Yeah. Like, I don't want, nobody needs to spend time in Fathom. <laughs> they can just go in, get the data they need to make some decisions, and then move on and run their, like, I don't want to spend all my time in analytics. Like, I want to run my business. I want to do fun things with my business. So that's why, that's why we built it. And we got so, there's so much traction around the open source version that we're like, how about we just have a hosted version for non-developers so they can just, like, sign up, pay them a low monthly fee, and get the code. They paste it into their site. There's a WordPress plugin if you use WordPress. You have zero code to touch, and it just works, and you just have the data you need. Love it, man. Uh, you know, you have an article, a great article, about solar entrepreneurism is a myth, and you talk about, you know, there is, you're going to need certain people. Um, one of the things is, like, there's a trend with, like, Wix and... Um, uh, a couple other like you know server like templated base uh, websites. Yeah. Um, they're not bad. Some of them, but they're SEO. Obviously, there's usually problems with. We tend to see right. Yeah. When is it, especially for a professional service provider, 
is it what are the what are the what should someone be like saying you know what i need to literally i need to hire someone like a paul jarvis or somewhere like when when does that become the fundamental reality for them yeah when the majority of your business is being driven by your website then it's really time to start thinking about your website okay and not necessarily even just to hire somebody but to think like i find that a lot of people build websites like they build websites for themselves and it like you don't your opinion and your ideas don't matter at all for your website you need to think only about what your customers or potential customers need so for things like cairo i want to if i'm an existing client i want to book an appointment quickly i don't care about anything else on your website i don't care about all these bells and whistles like i just want like book an appointment button front and center if i'm a new client i probably want to read some reviews i want some social proof i maybe want a phone number i want to see what the process maybe i'm scared of it maybe i want to see like what chiropractic is and isn't so you have to think about what your customers or your potential customers want and not what you want maybe your favorite color is blue and you like this font style of these photos who cares it doesn't like you need to think about what the type of people that you want to have as customers, what they want, because that's so much more important. It makes and me I think of this from decades of being a web designer. Yeah, it, it makes life. me think. It <laughs> makes me think of a chiropractor in upstate New York who he listens to Christian music in his office because that's what his target market listens to, and he's not really like into Christian music, you know, like. I, I, it, the state of web, I, I, I think Noah Kagan would get pissed at us, but I'm going to love him. It's, I picked up from you, you're very, you're not, I don't want to say anti-pop-up, anti, but I, I feel like destroy noise and distractions. Like, I go to your site, it's very clean, very easy to use. Tell me about the state of web right now, especially for business owners. Are we making it too complicated? What's your, what's your take? Yeah, so my whole thing is I don't want to, because I'm a writer, I don't want to interrupt people reading my site. So there's no notifications, there's no pop-ups, there's no noise. It's just, you're, I'm an author, I want you to read my stuff. If you want to sign up, there's a sign-up button below. The only thing that I really care about on my site is sign-ups, because my business is driven by my mailing list. So it's all business decisions that have led me to the way my website looks. Um, for pop-ups specifically, I, they can definitely work, and they can definitely boost sign-ups. But again, I'll come back to vanity metrics where I tried pop-ups on my site for I think about four months and I saw a 30% uptick in subscription rate to my website. But then six months later, almost none of those people had bought anything from me. They weren't opening yeah. my newsletter. So that vanity metric of the 30% bump was useless because none of them became customers. None of them even opened my emails. So I deleted yeah. them all, and then I deleted the pop-up. The other thing is that Google punishes sites that have uh, pop-ups that show up instantly. So that's yeah. definitely something to be aware of, because that's a new thing that's happened in the last 12 months. Dude, you've been you've been awesome. I want to. I normally, when I talk to chiropractors, I do some weird questions to to close out. Um, I'm gonna twist it up for you a little bit <laughs> and get some word association with you. Ask you some funky questions if you're cool with that. Uh, let's do it, man. All right, man. Um, uh, I'm going to give you, uh, uh, when I say the word ROI, what, it, what comes up for you? Return on investment. R what do you feel about return on investment? This is like psychiatry yeah. a little bit. What is your, okay. okay. It, I, I got you now. Okay. Um, I, I always pay attention to 
the impact that it has on long term because the issue that I have with growth hackers is it's entirely short term focused. And people that do that are basically like pump and dump attention. So they will just hammer your attention until you buy or leave. And what I found with my own business is that most people don't buy from me right away. And that's fine. Like I want people to get to know my style before they buy something from me. So if I was just relentless at hammering people with like sales email after sales email every single day, they wouldn't buy something six months from now. And yeah. like when I look at my customer base, people have been customers of mine for years and years and years. More than half the people that buy one product from me buy more than one product from me. Like 50% of people buy more than one thing from me, which is weird because I have business books, I have freelancing courses, MailChimp courses, I have software that does privacy focused analytics. But these people buy all of the things, but they don't buy all of the things right away, which I'm okay with, because if they're gonna buy something in two years, they're gonna buy when it's right for them. And I'm definitely going to give them a little bit of pressure sometimes, like, hey, if you want this thing, the sale ends now, or this course is only open for this amount of time. But if you wanna catch it in six months, like do, do what's right for you. So return on investment for me is definitely long-term. Like I just don't care about short-term gains if it's gonna hurt uh, my long-term business. Beautiful. Uh, side hustle. I think side hustles are super important. Like I think my product business is a side hustle. Like it started out as a side hustle. I was doing web design full-time. I was doing really, really well. I had a huge wait list and I was like, maybe I'll try making some products. So for me, products started out as an evening and weekend gig where I was just trying to fit it in in between the full-time work that I had. And yeah, I worked for myself, but my full-time gig was design. And then I only moved my side hustle to my main hustle when it started to make more money than the web design business did with yeah. me doing less work. So it was doing better with me having to work less. And I was like, that's, that's a good combination. Like, I'm happy with that. So I think side hustles are great. I think side hustles are, are like business is an experiment. Like all of business, like it doesn't matter what any expert says, there's no sure things, everything's an experiment. Side hustles are great for testing hypotheses. And that's what experiments are, like test ideas, have fun. Minimalist business. Minimalist business, I love having a minimalist business. One, because I'm not smart enough to run a complicated business. <laughs> it's just, I don't have enough brain space to run a complicated business. But two, I think having a minimalist business, like minimalism is about figuring out what enough is because you don't need more than you actually need, like money, business, customers, et cetera. There's a limit to what you can mentally and actually manage. So for me, minimalism is about figuring out what's important and cutting out what isn't. Just like me not using Facebook because I don't need to use Facebook and just using Twitter. It's not about how minimalism isn't just about having like 34 carefully arranged items in like a backpack right. that you live out of full time. It can be. I have friends that do that full time and it's great for them. I don't actually like traveling. So like that to me wouldn't be good. But yeah, minimalism is just about is just about thinking about enough because I don't think we think about enough. And I think the problem is that we haven't been taught that enough is useful. Like we all. I live in a capitalist society, or at least the, the Western world lives in a capitalist society where like greed is the most, like growth is the most important thing. And the byproduct of that is greed. And with greed, there is no enough. So it's hard, like you can't put a limit on that. Whereas I'm like, I, if I have enough, why do I want more? Like, why do I need to work more hours than I have to? Why do I need to make more than I need in 
to like support my family and to have stuff put away in savings in case something happens. So I think ha figuring out what enough is, is really what minimalism is. It's questioning what enough is, is different for everybody. And then making decisions based on whether you're pre enough. So if you don't have enough, you need to get there. So you need to grow hundred percent. That makes sense. If you have enough, then maybe you just need to optimize for what enough is instead of keeping this like hustle grow mindset. And I think that's a problem. Most of us start out in this growth and hustle mindset, which is good because we need to get there, but then we don't stop. We're just like, this worked and like, this is what I got going. I'm just going to keep going. And I'm like, uh, how about, hey guys, how about, how about we stop doing that? How about we question what enough is? There, there's so out? many ideas, Paul, out there, even in our space that like I run into problems where people, and I, you wrote about it in one of your blog articles. I can't remember which one it was, but it hit the nail for me and the head where, um, you run into like I run into a client experience um, and they're like, I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to do that. And I'm like, you don't have the budget, number one, to do all that. Like they, it's like, here's the next shiny object that that someone at a seminar told me to do. And it just can get like exhausting where it's like it seems like simplify, 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 which leads me to my, my last great question for you before I let you go for the day, man. And, and thank you so much. Really appreciate this. If if you were given the keys to a chiropractic office, and you were uh, going to set up shop in in a town, where would that be? Who would be your ideal target market client, and what would you do to differentiate yourself? You think just a just a little spark game for our people listening and watching. Yeah. yeah, I mean, one, I would make it super easy to book online and to automate. I think automation can be misused, but it can be used to such a great degree that you can streamline so many things. Like maybe when you book an appointment, you can prepay for it, or you can be upsold. Like, Hey, if you book four appointments, you get 10% off or something like that, where I'd be like, if I can have this handled on the internet with software that exists that I don't have to build. Heck yeah. Like I totally, I would totally want to do that. Like my mind, because it's so tech based, is always like, how can software solve a problem easier and better than a person? And that's not always the case. The human touch is definitely required, but it, some things can definitely be solved by technology, like automation and that sort of thing. As far as where, I would first think about who my audience is and then make it in a convenient place for them. And for me, like audience always comes down to, who are the type of people who I feel like I can help the most or provide the most value to for the people that I actually like working with because I think we can pick our audience even if we don't think we can like we can choose the type of people that we are for and the type of people that we're not for and I think the third thing would be does that audience have money to support um, a top of market um, product because I, I wouldn't want to compete but like like we talked about I wouldn't want to compete bottom of the market because it's too crowded I would want to figure out like who has the income to support it? And then what kind of things do they need? And how can I be an expert at helping that specific type of people? Then that's where the office would be. If there was an office, maybe there wouldn't be an office. Maybe I'd be traveling with um, some mobile adjustment thing. I don't know if there is one, but in my mind. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I'm a big proponent of pushing because I, I, you know, I was in SAS in San Francisco and stuff like that. And I, yeah. I'm, I'm a Cairo kid, so my my parents are, I, and I've been pushing everyone to say, look, not everyone, but who I think it's a good fit for, like, there's so much opportunity to be the Cairo on demand for all these start. I mean, just go to, like, AngelList or Crunchbase, 
and like yeah. see who's getting the money and I'd be like picking up the phone and going, hey, you need to now offer this perk of chiropractic. <laughs> exactly. Know? And I would just bring my square reader. Yeah. Just, anything to just like swipe a credit card quickly or take it before, like not even involve money in the appointment, like take the money before on a, on a website and then be good to go. Like over, it's fine. Like in, in company of one, I was interviewing somebody whose dad was an architect in the like 80s or something. And he had like the big computer and there was a sticky note on it that said overhead equals death. And so he worked in his garage because he didn't want to pay for an office. And I mean, I feel like I'm the same way. Like I want to have the lower my expenses, the more money I make from the less amount of revenue. So I need to make less money to make more. I need to make less gross to make more net if my expenses are as low as possible. So it doesn't mean expenses are bad, but it means I'm very, very, like, I think very hard about every expense that I have. Like, I don't need a private jet to fly around. Like, that, that wouldn't make any sense. I don't need to travel. Or, like, I don't need an office, because, like, my office looks pretty cool. Like, this is a pretty neat-looking wall. Yeah. <laughs> like, and this was, like, $200 to, for me to build this. Yeah. So, like, I always try to think about, like, okay, what expenses? Because a lot of people are always concerned about, like, how can I have more profit? Or how can I make more like gross revenue? And I'm always like, Leader. how can I spend less money? Yeah. And then I make more with the money that I that I currently make. And then I don't need to keep making more and more and more. I can make the same amount and just like optimize for that and be and be good and have enough. Well, I want to I want to encourage anyone who's been watching this. Uh, and Paul, I just I just purchased. Uh, well, my my secretary did the 25 copies, so I'm taking advantage of my one-on-one -on -one call with you. But also. Yeah. Anyone who's watching or listening to this, I want the first, uh, let's say, I'm going to say 10. Uh, let's say the first 10 people that comment, I want a free copy of this. I will send you a free copy. Uh, and then I'm going to save the other 15 for, like, my friends. And, like, 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 not that you guys aren't my friends who are watching this and copying. I don't mean that. <laughs> so so let, let me ask you a question. Are you going to be ordering them and shipping them to you and then sending them out from there? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I will send you totally random, but as part as my brand, I'll send you some stickers and some temporary non-toxic tattoos, so you can include them with the books that you're sending out. Oh, to cool! Yeah. So thank you so much for that. I want to thank you so much, dude. I, I love bringing on really, like I said, super smart, awesome people. I love your approach, your your point of view, and I love that you're saying, hey. Um, just think about it. You're not, you're not, you're not imploring and putting in the strike down. But there's a lot of smart stuff. If you guys, I encourage you to follow him on his blog because there's so many great articles. Like you said, you're a writer. I'm also looking forward to the medium that you're creating. No pun intended. Uh, I, I, that's a horrible. What? It was, that the tagline for Pico was superintended to be a, a new medium for writers. <laughs> Now, is it, are, people, are, are, are readers going to be able to pay per uh, writer, or is it is it like is that going to be? So if I say, hey, Kara Sushi, we're going to move over our our, our site because it's one thing I've been thinking about is saying, hey, let's just have a dollar per subscriber a month. They get the content instead of us because we do the advertising thing, man. We go out, we get vendors, we get partners, uh, and it's a it's a it's definitely a a, a journey. I'll say lovingly. Uh, I'd much rather have my people buying, you know, like saying, hey, this is worth a dollar or two dollars a month to me, right? And that's what we want to do is just have a, because the publishing is, publishing on the internet is broken. So we're just trying to think like, okay, what if we just make it direct and have kind of like a mashup between Patreon and Medium, but without the cruft that's on Medium where there is pop-ups and things like, 
I've read, like, I feel anxious reading articles. So I'm like, is that going to count against the three? Like, can I, I'm not going to be able to read any more articles if I read this one. It's yeah. Like too much stress. <laughs> well, I want to thank Paul Jarvis. You guys, uh, if you want to check out uh, and order his book, or you can take me up. Uh, one copy's already gone, Sarah Guido. You got it. I'm sending that to El Paso, Texas. Um, if you want your copy, I got uh, nine left from me. But if you want to order yourself or uh, get some copies for your clients, stuff like that, you can go to ofone.co. Uh, go uh, and actually check out uh, uh, Paul Jarvis. It's actually pjvs.com. Uh, what's that? Pjrvs. Pjrvs.com. And you can uh, follow him there. Uh, definitely check out his analytic tool, Phantom. Uh, he's got a new writing uh, tool coming out that might be really resourceful for some of our chiropractic bloggers. I'm, I'm, I'm really thinking that, dude. Just so much smart shit, man. Uh, thankful for you to share some time and energy and, and nuggets with us today. Yeah, thanks. This has been a blast. Thank you. Thanks, man.